0: wrong and wronger. I am Jerry Seinfeld, Steve Olivas, and he is the George Costanza podcast, possibly the Elaine Bennis. I don't judge and I don't make any assumptions. James Breakwell. And James, brother, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great. We got one left-handed compliment and now we're gonna make an entire episode about it, which is exactly why (laughs) nobody ever talks about (laughs) us.
0: What are you talking about? I was just making conversation.
1: Oh, it was just a coincidence. Well, that is funny because it segues into our topic for today. Somebody on Twitter said we were the Seinfeld of podcasts. It's a podcast about nothing, and yet they still tune in to listen. And they definitely they nailed the nothing part. I'm not entirely sure that I believe them that they tune in to listen. <laughs> the numbers don't seem to indicate that. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, assuming that Judy P continues to listen, and we do have a fan in India whose name is Sumed, I did not write it down last week, but I committed it to memory this week, so that would mean we have three instead of two, and now nothing makes sense anymore.
1: Yes, it is all very confusing, although I have to say, I've got kind of mixed feelings on Seinfeld. Did you watch it? I did. Did you watch it all the way through, or were you a casual viewer?
0: Nope. I was a
1: religious viewer. A religious viewer. I yes. had I had a hard time with Seinfeld for a long time. I didn't I didn't really see much of it till it was in syndication because i didn't understand how i was supposed to relate to the characters like i saw these horrible characters doing horrible things and bad things happening to them and it was like you get this secondhand embarrassment like i can't take this i'm a i'm a sensitive human being and then it was actually in a description for another tv show there was uh, have you ever seen uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia No, I have not. I was reading. I've heard it's excellent. Yeah, I was reading a review or analysis about that, and they said you're supposed to hate these characters and root against them. It's like Seinfeld. And then it all kicked into place. (laughs) And I was like, oh, if I go into Seinfeld rooting against these characters rather than trying to empathize with them, the secondhand embarrassment goes away and it all makes sense. And in that sense, we are kind of like Seinfeld because I come here every day rooting against you because if I didn't, the secondhand embarrassment would simply kill me.
0: First of all, James, I find it hard to believe that you could ever be first-hand embarrassed. So the fact that you have even a sliver of second-hand embarrassment is shocking. I didn't know you had that gene. But second of all, uh, Seinfeld, it's comedy for smart people. So I do understand that you would have a little bit of difficulty finding your way through it. But as far as being pure evil and doing horrible things, I would think that you could relate to all of the characters and think this is a Breakwellian world that we've created at this flat in Manhattan. But I'll tell you this, James, we might be Seinfeld, but we're not friends. Although I am a beautiful, beautiful person like Jennifer Aniston. But... Like the dude version of Jennifer Aniston, and I suppose I could be like Seinfeld. I'm not sure where you would fit in, although physically you do resemble Michael Richards more than George Costanza.
1: You know, actually, I don't. You've never seen my dad. My dad looks a lot like Jerry Seinfeld, not with the hair. My dad is like a—he's a weird mix. Jerry Seinfeld, Tim Allen, and. Hugh Laurie from House. You know, they, they've all kind of got that same jowly look. And my dad is kind of an amalgamation. Like, if you were to make a Venn diagram, he's kind of in the middle of them. Probably closer to the Tim Allen and Jerry Seinfeld side of that. So I... I, I do see a little bit of my dad every time I, I watch that show, except that they, they act nothing alike at all. As far as the embarrassment, like I can deal with first hand embarrassment all day. As long as I am in the driver's seat and I control when I experience that embarrassment, I am perfectly fine. When other people do, it just like it's like when you watch a YouTube video of somebody getting hurt. There's a line between this is entertaining and this is awful and I'm just gonna gasp. And that's what I feel like I'm going through. Like even with like videos, if I I control the video and I edit it and stuff I go through and I watch it all and I analyze it and I make it perfect or as perfect as anything with me in it can be which is not oh, yeah. that perfect at all if I do a video for somebody else for some company or something like that I will never ever watch it I never have I never will because I don't have any control over that there's nothing I can do I feel like watching myself I'll get secondhand embarrassment so I just let it go
0: You can't watch yourself on TV, basically?
1: I watch myself if I'm the one doing the editing, if I'm in control. But, like, if I go on a news segment uh, for somebody else, i never watch it. Never have.
0: Wow. And because you will be embarrassed or you are concerned you might be embarrassed? It's just
1: it's out of my control. Like, what good does it do me to watch that if I can't change anything on it? Like there's no, I'm never going to come away from that thinking I did better than what I actually did. Like the only, really? the only possible uh, reaction is going to be, you know, in a downward direction. So if, but if I'm in charge of it, if I'm the one, if I shoot a video here at home and I'm editing and stuff, you know, that's, you know, I'm, i I'm in the driver's seat. I can handle that. But if I'm, if somebody else has it, they control how they edit it. They control how I look. It's like, whatever, what's done is done. It's out there. I'm just going to move on.
0: Wow, the fact that there's nowhere to go but down for you tells me that when you walk away from those news segments, you feel you have been perfect. And there's no way they can make you shine any more than the beacon you were on that set.
1: I always have such, you know, low expectations. So every time I get through one and I don't, like, physically die on camera, I am noticeably relieved. There's that high of just getting it over with and dodging a bullet, and I don't want to crash that high by going back and looking at how I actually did.
0: What bullet are you dodging? What are you afraid you're going to say?
1: I, I don't know. I, just, I guess I have a higher standard for myself than you do, because obviously you don't care how you look in any context. There is no first-hand or second-hand embarrassment. It's just a train wreck start to finish, and that makes your life so much simpler and less complicated than mine is.
0: You know, they say Einstein wore exactly the same outfit every single day of his life so he didn't have to burn mental energy worrying about what to wear. That's kind of how I live my life too, James. <laughs> I have higher order thinking going on all the time. I don't need to concern myself with such pedestrian endeavors as hygiene.
1: So if you, like, so so back when you were traveling the country giving talks and, you know, staying in the Steve Oliva suite, the worst room in every hotel, and yeah, I presume most of your talks were recorded. Would you go back and watch those recordings of yourself?
0: Uh, I have. Uh, it's sort of like this show. There's so many of them. At some point, you just give up on it. <laughs> but I will say uh, my overall impression is, God, that guy is fat. That's the way that I look at those old videos of myself. So I scrutinize, I I body shame myself whenever I see me on camera, back in the day, you know.
1: Well, obviously now, because you're, you know, spelt and thanks to my dietary tips, which you ignored and then took from somebody else, you're obviously (laughs) in your physical prime again, so presumably that won't be a problem for you anymore.
0: You know, there's a Jim Gaffigan joke, which I've told a few times, which is relevant for me, not for you. But Gaffigan talks about when I start losing weight, I never tell anybody because I know inside they're thinking, but he's still fat. (laughs) That's sort of where I'm at. Like, uh, I was a bigger dude, but that doesn't mean I'm a Svelte Brakewellian dude today. So, yes, I am lesser of the uh, person that I was when I was making those videos over a year well, ago. So this,
1: this is interesting because if you look at yourself and say, man, that guy's fat, it tells me that your mental image of yourself is something other than what you are now. So who is the Steve Olivas in Steve Olivas' head? What does that guy look like?
0: Buff, beefcake, (laughs) uh, brawny. I'm trying to think of other B words so I can continue the alliteration chain here. Now it's funny I never I don't see myself as bald as I as being as bald as I apparently am either because <laughs> I I don't know I have this dysmorphic in a positive direction disorder and maybe that gives me the confidence to actually step outside every day and face the rest of the world because inside my head I'm playing the theme from Top Gun. But outside, people look at me, and they're, they're hearing, like, Baby Elephant Walk by Harry Mancini. Henry <laughs> Mancini? The Mancini guy going on. But that disconnect is fine with me, because I live in a perfumed cloud
1: of bliss. I find it funny that you think of yourself as bald or going bald because you have so much hair everywhere. It might not be where you want it, but you're kind of Robin Williams-esque. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen you, but I seem to recall a lot of hair, including on your head. It's long and curly. Don't you have a mullet or a super mullet at this point?
0: Yes, I do, baby. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw the top of my head, and I started losing like the, the crown of my head when I was in my early 20s. And when I was 25 and a doctoral student, we had to video ourselves doing like practice, counseling, therapy sessions. And there was a camera mounted like in the upper corner of the ceiling looking down. And I walked in and it showed the top of my head and I thought, God dang, what is going on up there? Because I can only see myself from the front, and I had plenty of hair right here in front, so it sort of gave me the illusion that it went all the way around my head. But God had a different plan in mind for Dr. Steve.
1: So I guess you're actually doing pretty well. So if you started losing your hair in your 20s, and you're about 90 now, like you've overall lost at a very, very slow rate, all things considered. (laughs)
0: I suppose, but I look at you, and you will never lose any of your hair, and I'm filled with envy (laughs) and... Hate, M- mostly hate on good days, but envy for sure, James.
1: You know it's funny you should say that because about once a year on YouTube, somebody would accuse me of having a receding hairline, and that was you know the insults come at me from all directions, which is why I don't read comments ever. But that <laughs> one was one that somehow one I always saw and two always got under my skin. I never, I never actually replied, but it's. And I think my, I just have a big, ugly forehead, and that's what it is. The hairline's always been about where it is. I mean, maybe it's moved the slightest amount, but it seems like it's been pretty steady. And uh, it's just, it's just a big old forehead. It's just very, I've got the Peyton Manning syndrome a little bit. That's okay. It shows character. You can see every single wrinkle in my forehead. There's three per kid. And it just, it builds character. It allows me to be more expressive. So my eyes might not move, my mouth might not move, but that forehead, it's just always going, and it will never, ever be covered or hidden by hair
0: (laughs) what is there baldness or male pattern baldness in either of your family trees
1: now well my one grandpa on my dad's side died young but like on the other side my grandpa had a full head of hair when he died at 85 my dad still has all his hair my brothers still have all their hair I think it comes down, it comes down through the, the mother or the mother's side, right? There's really, there's no baldness yeah. anywhere in the family. There's, there is so, wow. so, so much wrong with me. But, like, losing my hair isn't one of those things. <laughs> other than, like, just, like, <laughs> something I might lose from stress, you know, just from talking to you. I could see myself pulling it out Homer Simpson style. But other than James, that, I
0: not. am a panacea. I am the cure for what ails you. If it wasn't for me, I can't imagine where you would be right now in life, James. Look at how you have been propelled forward, both professionally and personally, just through this relationship.
1: I would not be having this conversation right now if it weren't for this podcast. It's really hard to get past that one solitary fact. Such a, such a clear detriment in the present moment. But that, that, that's okay. Now you actually, now that I think about it, your hair is a little, maybe I'm totally misremembering this, but didn't Jerry Seinfeld during the Seinfeld show, didn't he have the kind of curly hair like you've got now, maybe even a bit of a mullet?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was 1993, didn't we all? But I'm bringing it back, James, through the enormous worldwide popularity of this show <laughs> and the other show, because Kenya, Uganda, and one person in India can't help but love what we're doing here. I'm gonna bring this back as a popular fashion statement
1: now it,
0: I, I'll be divorced by the end of it I'm fairly <laughs> certain but I'm gonna bring it back
1: well I mean divorce is better than the outlook I had for you I thought you were going to be in that secret body hatch your wife was building in your crawl space so you know if you if you can come out of this divorce i I, I will I will buy you a victory drink for that if you come out of corpse I'll just drink in your honor which is really just me celebrating that you're gone so either way yeah. I get a drink so I'm okay with that
0: yeah. You're gonna have to dump a little bit on the ground first to remember our fallen comrades. Actually, (laughs) I did say something to Mrs. Steve about it and all her response was, was something to the order of, yeah, divorce is too expensive. (laughs) So I don't know what that means, but that seems to limit our options to just her killing me, which I'm fairly certain she could do and make it look like an accident.
1: Well, I think the key is just don't let her up your life insurance. Make sure you're always worth more alive than dead, which in your case, I mean, your value starting out is pretty low. And I don't just mean monetarily. I just mean (laughs) in general as the whole person. So that's that's, that's going to be hard for you.
0: I mean, if someone stroked you a check to get out of this podcast with me, what kind of debate would you have internally, James?
1: You know, I, I might hesitate because <laughs> I I've got I've got standards I like. I like getting paid to do what I'm doing already anyway. And when somebody pays me to do something differently, I have to think about it. It's kind of like I wrote a I wrote an article a, a while back, and it was for a magazine or an internet publication. And it had to have facts, like I had to do research, and I just hated it. It was the most boring, painful thing I'd ever had to write. I mean, I, I mean I, like I, I tried to put comedy in it and all that, but it was it was like pulling teeth. And I've thought about like like what you do, like with ghost writing and stuff like that. Or if I was gonna write a nonfiction book. I just couldn't do it for any amount of money because I've already I've already got the day job. If I want to go be bored and unhappy, I'll j- I'll just do that. It's very stable. It's very safe. If I'm going to go above and beyond right that yeah. in my free time, it has to be something I want to do, whether it's for free or whether it's getting paid. So if somebody came and they said, "I will pay you money not to do this podcast," this podcast, which by the way earns us no money whatsoever and actually costs us money every month. I would have to think about it. What what am I getting paid to do? Am I getting paid just not to talk to you? Am I getting paid to just never make a video at all again? I'd have to I'd have to very carefully consider what I was giving up. Like giving up you would be the easy part. Giving up the platform in general, I'd have to think a bit.
0: Well <clears throat> Now you approached me to be on the show <laughs> with you. Was there a was I like the fourth person that you approached? Like who was up toward the top of your depth chart when it came to co-hosting with the esteemed James Burke? There Breakwell? is
1: nobody there was nobody before you and there is nobody else in the lineup. And this is based entirely wow. on me being a guest on your show. And my mom giving <laughs> me a compliment about how relaxed I sounded when I was insulting you, and those two things. Like, There's got to be something to this. And really, believe it or not, before I uh, before I started that, I used to get real nervous every time I would go on recording. For the same reason, I don't. I still don't watch videos of myself, and uh, with uh, other, you know I, the same thing. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I to make a mistake or say something I'm going to regret. And then with you, you were just such an easy target, and it was just and you, you bounced it back, and that's not what everybody does. You get bounce it back and forth, and we had that chemistry there. I was like, we can make something of this. And it turns out I was wrong. We've made absolutely nothing of it, but that has not stopped us from trying for all these years. I mean, at this point, it's possible that we'll put out more podcast episodes than there are Seinfeld episodes.
0: I am fair certain we already have, have we passed if, well him? we definitely have if you combine both of our podcasts and uh, but uh, just singularly I think what Ge- were you gonna say
1: in Jerry Seinfeld's last season they were offered him something like a hundred million dollars to come back and do just one more season and he refused he turned down a hundred million dollars so he wanted to wrap it up and then he had a finale that nobody liked but I there, there was never gonna be a finale that made everybody happy the show was just too disjointed yeah. you couldn't tie it all together with one episode and honestly I think that kind of gave it a fairly good try did you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm?
0: I tried. I there's a show like you with Seinfeld. I couldn't get into
1: it. It's uh. There apparently there's a very meta episode because uh, was it Larry David is one of the co-creators of Seinfeld, and there's an episode where they go back and make another episode of Seinfeld, and apparently that's kind of the <laughs> finale that Seinfeld never got. It's like super meta on oh. top of meta on top of meta. So I think that's probably given some Seinfeld fans. A bit of closure. Now, let me take that one step further. If we were to have a finale to wrap it all yeah. up, what would be the yeah. topic and what would be the format?
0: We we would have to bring Judy P. up Oh, of course. Just to, to, <laughs> to sort of tie that one together. But uh, the topic would be, should we have ever began this podcast? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because... I think we could make a pretty compelling argument to the negative on that question, and I'm not sure what we could say to the positive other than I've gotten free beer and pizza several times at your house because of this podcast.
1: I will say this. I am no longer afraid of dead airspace. After talking to you for all of these unstructured episodes, I am 100% confident all of the time that if I open my mouth, words will come out and they will be loosely formed into sentences and maybe even paragraphs and maybe even on a good day, coherent thoughts. I don't have to pre-plan or do anything. It just, it just happens. Like, and, that, and that's not something I would have gotten without you. So I've got that going for me. It really hasn't led anywhere, but it is a skill I know I have. I thought at first I could only you know, BS my way through like a term paper or something, but it turns out I can BS my way through, a, through an actual live conversation as well.
0: I think you may be less frightened of meeting people from the internet, too, because I think you were at least 60% serious when we first met that you were thinking you may get murdered before you make it home that night.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know that I was actually serious. I had a theory that you were short and I thought if you were short you were unlikely to kill me what? I don't know what I believed that for I just maybe if you have the the what? gun you can't aim up high enough or something and actually I don't know we, we made short jokes about you before and we that we took that selfie together you made some sort of height joke but I think we're actually pretty close in height which is why that <laughs> that line of insult kind of died away. It was just a weird selfie at a weird angle so what, what are you Are you five nine five ten?
0: Yeah. Five
1: nine. There's actually very little height difference between us. Especially when you factor Hold in on. the hair. When you factor in the hair, you might be taller than me.
0: Uh, well, if I combed it straight up like kid and play, then maybe. <laughs> a reference you don't get, by the way. Can we get back to, if you're short, you won't murder me? Like, wh- How does that even connect those dots in your mind, James?
1: Well, I'm taller, and I have longer legs, and I just figure I can, you know, I can run away, or I can see over your head to locate safety, or to make eye contact with somebody who can come for help. Just short people never get any respect. That's how the world is, Steve. So if you were a short murderer, I was gonna underestimate you completely. That was that was my game plan. I was just gonna roll with it. And at the very least, if I died, you could you could know, or I would know that I died disrespecting your height, and that would make you feel better as I went down.
0: And you died as a low-probability statistic because you were murdered by a short person, (laughs) ergo you would be elevated in terms of your historical importance.
1: I don't know if it's really fair to call you short, though. Isn't the average American male 5'9 or 5'10? I think you are, like, exactly at the average.
0: Yeah, but that's not... how tall I really am is not relevant to the conversation because your perception was I was short and therefore could not possibly be a murderer.
1: Full disclosure, I have no idea if I knew you were short or tall. I don't think I had any evidence. I, I mean, how would I even know? It would have never come up in conversation. It would have not come no. up on the podcast. I don't think you've you ever assume. posted a full body shot like head to toe. You like you post your those horrifying close-up selfies of your face with the state <laughs> capitol behind them, but like I can't compare your height to the state capitol capital that's really not a good reference point
0: (laughs) yeah there's a quarter in the picture for scale just to show (laughs) the difference how tall you're six two aren't you
1: yeah, I'm 6'2". I think technically I'm 6'1 and 3 quarters if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty. But yeah, I tell everybody I'm 6'2 and that seems to work for everything. And I, I don't feel bad. Uh, there's
0: ba- a 5 inch gap there. We, we have, there's a bit of a difference. It's more than what you're making it to be.
1: Yeah, but then when you sit down, I mean, it, it, it goes away because all my height is in my legs. My torso is very much standard length, so. And plus, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very fond of slouching. So at a table, I'm probably below you. Especially because I don't want to be seen with you in public so then i really really slouch and then you've definitely got the (laughs) upper hand so in a correction to the lies i told a few minutes ago i don't think i did know you were short or assume you were short and uh getting murdered on the internet you were the very first person from the internet i ever met face to face so you know you never you never know there's definitely a question mark there and since then i i've met people who've paid me from the internet you know like you know Uh, conventions and gigs and things like that but I don't think I've ever gone out and just like met uh, a colleague or a friend or an acquaintance from Twitter you were the only one
0: I just met one last week in Louisville he came out to run the camera for me at the game so I still meet people as I'm out and about in the world and in fact tomorrow one is coming uh, through Nashville on a vacation from Oklahoma we're going to have lunch together
1: well, fingers crossed that one of them finally murders you, but that's, oh, that's neither here nor there. I think you have a very a different relationship with your, with your crowd than I have with mine. So I very much just kind of throw jokes out there and then don't read the comments and move on, and you've got some back and forth. <laughs> I, think, I think you've built up a connection in a way I haven't, uh, which is why I, I don't know which approach is better because clearly I built up more people, but uh, I put less work into maintaining them where you, has, you have far fewer people but you definitely give it much more of the personal touch. And uh, neither of us is really going anywhere, so maybe both approaches are equally ineffective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have to go somewhere right now. we got to walk you right on out the door because you have the rest of your life to get to. And Seinfeld episodes are only 22 to 24 minutes in length anyway. So we've given you bonus material today without the aid of sponsorships. So... We're going to wrap this one until we come to you and talk about nothing again next week. Much to the delight of our throngs of three fans. This is Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the love and financial support you've been throwing through the show. And until we meet again, always remember two wrongs can make a right.